Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Okay, back in the building, shots fired. This week's, uh, well, quadruple um, dose of what we're bringing to the table. We're gonna quick, fast and hurry, get things straight underway. And uh, as usual, we're joined by the uh, the Rogues Gallery. We're gonna start off though with G. What up? Good afternoon, gentlemen. I see Chisanga still, barbershops are not open. Y'all, if you can Next see week. this. Preach, preach, preach. I'm yeah. looking at Kairos, envious of that fresh uh, shape up he's had and everything. Look at y'all. Oh, man. Listen, <laughs> listeners, everybody looks so handsome, even though there's some haircuts that need to be had. I'm very happy, <laughs> co host. Everybody looks good. So let's get started with my shots that are about to be fired. Have you guys mm. heard the good news? I think it's good news, but we'll see how you guys take it. Patty Pimlet is coming to the UFC. That little scouser from where? Liverpool, just like Darren Till. Liverpool, he, that's the one. Liverpool, that's that's close to y'all backyard, right? Like y'all know about Liverpool a little bit. And <laughs> about four hours away, but never mind. Yeah, yeah close you know, to my backyard. You, yeah, you know a little something about it. It's, it's closer than mine, you know? Um, so Patty was signed to the UFC. I believe he is signed as a lightweight, even though I've known him to kind of bounce between that and featherweight. Yeah. I am excited for his arrival. Why? Because I used to just tune into Cage Warriors just to see this wild man fight. And the reason why I enjoy watching Patty Pimblett fight is because he's never in a boring fight and he's wild. And once he takes the mic, it's something else. And I really enjoy his fights and his presence. And also he's kind of legend. Like I remember one time he beat somebody up and then he threw up on the floor and kept up with the interview. I thought that was pretty interesting. And not only that, uh, Patty Pimblett, he kind of acts like Cardi B online. I always call him our little um, Cardi B because why? He does not act like he's famous, y'all. If you are to speak of Patty, B- <laughs> Patty Pimblett online in a disparaging way or even fuck it, sometimes a nice way, Patty will show up in your mentions to curse you out. I do believe this young man searches his name and he responds to everybody that has something negative to say about him. But here is what my segment is about. Just recently, before Patty could even get a damn fight signed, he's already causing trouble out here acting like Cardi B. Listen, Garam Kutalazi, he thought it was a good idea. He's another lightweight. He thought it was a good idea. Him and his management actually got together and said, we should poke at him. Because, you know, it's common, it's customary for fighters to use Twitter to call somebody out, especially when they're new to the company like Patty. And Patty comes with a name. You want to be the first motherfucker to fuck Patty up, Okay. So Garam thought it was a good idea to come at him. What happened, though, was 
that Garam was not um, ready for Patty Pimblett's mouth because I'm very well aware of his mouth. Garam is not because, by the way, Patty per- cursed me out in the mentions, by the way, the one and only. So I'm very well aware of his mouth. <laughs> so Garam was not prepared for this. So what happened was Garam tried to get a fight with him through Twitter. He thought it was all fun and games. And then Patty Pimblett said something very offensive to Georgian fighters, which is where Kutalada is from. And here's what he said. Let me grab my notes real quick. Bear with me. Damn, she got dossier and shit, man. We need to start. I mean, you know, yeah, I come prepared and then I'm in workflow, man. It's a whole different G. Um, Let's see. She's got a dossier. What? No. (laughs) No, I'm here to fire one of y'all. Mike said it to him in the boardroom, y'all. So. His response to just Kudalaza kind of pushing his buttons online was, lad, now this is Patty talking, not me. Lad, how stupid are these Georgians, man? No wonder the Russians terrorized their lives. Uh, I don't know anything about um, genocide in the history of Georgians, but his comments immediately reminded many people, many people of the Russo-Georgian war era in 2008, it insulted the Georgian casualties. And that is to include... Georgian fighters on the UFC roster, and those fighters were Ilya Tupura spoke out. Uh, Liliana Jujoa um, condemned what he said and also had some words to say on Twitter. Now, Patty ain't back down right away, so some folks had to drag his ass in the mentions and bring it to his attention that what he said was um, poking fun at genocide in Georgia. And Guys, he did erase it and he gave some like half-assed apology. He basically said, hey, I don't know anything about the, you know, the history of Georgia. And I didn't know you guys were involved in the genocide. I'm not a historian. My apologies. And my question to y'all is this. Do you believe that Patty Pimblett was unaware of the genocidal history in Georgia and offered a sincere apology? Two-part question, because you already know who I am and I like two-part questions. Um, how well or how badly does Patty's career play out in the UFC being now that he's going to face UFC caliber in a shark tank of a division? And I am going to start with my man. I need a haircut so bad I can't take it. Chisanga. Yeah. God, my hair my hair is wet as well. I just had a shower and everything. I didn't have time to pick. No, you look great. Oh, you geez. look great. I'm picking on you. <laughs> but Ky- look at Kyra just giving me the side eye. It's, it's, it's she lied to you. You don't look good. You got to change your he life looks right now. Great. No, change your life for us. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you look good. Okay, so yeah, obviously. No, 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 no. What why do that to the man? I concur. You need a haircut. My brother, I say this with love, you need your haircut. This is no, short five. No, there is no way that we are going to gaslight you and tell you that you don't look anything short of Kunta Kendra. Oh. <laughs> they up in here calling him a runaway slave. I think you look great. Yeah. I like this bush look. You know, I like this. It's like you're from the motherland, man. You get you, you know what I'm saying? I love it. <laughs> okay. Next time we go back to Zambia, I thought I had my hair like this. Good. Anyway, moving, moving back to the topic at hand. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to laugh about it. Chisanga, <laughs> do you do you think he was aware of the genocidal history? Uh, was it a sincere I, apology? And what are your thoughts on his career coming up? I I, I don't know to be like to be honest, because it's a very it's a very specific thing to, to mention to, if you are unaware of the, the, the history between the, the, the two countries. Perhaps maybe he wasn't aware of the severity of the, of the, of the history of the countries. Maybe, ugh, 
I, I, I was trying to liken it to another situation, but I can't liken it to a to another situation. Maybe he didn't think it was as serious as as as, as it was, and obviously for um, a, a lot of Georgian people, uh, well, it's the wounds are still very very uh, raw, and every, everything's still uh, at the forefront of their mind. So, part of me, I'd, I'd like to think that he didn't know uh, that the the full history of their of of the conflict, but what didn't sit well with me was after um, Georgi Kokeshashvili. I don't know if you follow him. I heart Georgius one of Twitter. He's a social media manager at a Dodger sport. Um, basically broadcast uh, UFC across uh, across Georgia and, and elsewhere. He Ooh. mentioned to Paddy. He said to him, "He said, look, this is this is offensive to to us to us Georgians. I'd advise you to." like uh, apologize delete the tweet and just like and, and move on because at, at this stage it would be acceptable Some, something something to those, mm-hmm. uh, those mm-hmm. something to that effect but it, then it just appeared that patty doubled down like and he doubly doubled down hard and uh, look i i'm all for the trash talk and then funny games or whatever but as as we've said on this podcast before there are certain lines that you don't cross and especially when somebody from the region that has been affected by the conflict has informed you of the situation. I think that he should have just immediately just apologized and why have you. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's my thoughts on it. And to, to be honest, he, he has apologized. I don't know how, how sincere the apology was. I'd like to think so. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in this situation. Now as to how he performs in the UFC, look, I'm really, really looking forward to, um, to to his to his debut, whoever whoever he fights, I think the only two losses on his record are to Soren Back and and Nad Nurimani, and that was a unanimous decision mm-hmm. loss. But that was a closer fight than a lot of people. Uh, well, then the result would suggest. Right. So I'm I'm re- I'm really looking forward to it. I think he'll I think he'll do well, but I think they've kind of got to ease him into it because if he's competing at 155, like, it's just a murderer's role. I mean, like anyone in the top. Well, well, from 15 to 30 could be in in the top 15. Do you know what I mean? That the division yeah. is good. So yeah. it's going to be a baptism of fire for him, whoever they give him in the division. But I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I wouldn't say he's he's uh, he's, he's as brash as other fighters, but he's outspoken. He's he's uh, he's got a cult following. So I'm interested to see what what he can do, and I think he can definitely take some necks. 100, percent he can take some necks, and that I would. Yeah. See. Oh, absolutely. Um, I like your responses. Totally makes sense. And uh, yeah, we're going to go with Michael Morgan next. We'll save the baby for last. I was going to say that um, personally, I had a few issues with Paddy and I think that it's only right to just, you know, full disclosure here. Mm-hmm. I had a few issues with Paddy um, a couple of years ago in that when he was trying to make a UFC bid, a UFC run, I said to him, um, actually it was an indirect, I didn't at him, I said, way too soon for you, buddy, way too soon. That drew his ire and he was- I know he cussed your ass out from top to bottom, Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, cursed me out and said, uh, you, you can forget about any interviews um, and- Chris Fishgold, on top of that, said, the next time I see you, um, I'm going to leg you, which basically means I'm going to dead your leg. Yeah. Anyway, fast forward to where we are right now, and we're in the midst of your question. Um, you'd be surprised to note that I feel that he gets a pass. He gets a pass because history isn't his forte. 
MMA is. And I would also say that, you know, coming from the point of view that I don't know the full history of Georgian um, atrocities and what they've gone through. And I truly believe that Paddy is in exactly the same boat. So he gets a pass because he was throwing out a diss because that's what they do. That's what scouts do. You come at them, they're going to come at you harder. So that's mm-hmm. what happened there. I don't think there was any malicious intent or any like history book reading and thought, oh, I'll grab on this and then actually throw this back. So he gets a pass because of sheer, I'm trying to think of a better word, but ignorance. And I mean that ignorance. in this way yeah. that he did. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect word. No, no. Yeah. As to whether, as to whether he would um, fare well in the UFC, considering yes. I think it's been said already and that it, He's entering a shark tank in terms of a division. I can see him doing well, but not to the level where he will be either a title contender or title holder. Agreed. Um, before I jump uh, to Kairos, I'm just going to add my little tidbit to this. And I'm taking from both Chisanga. You know me, I'll be stealing from y'all while y'all be talking. But <laughs> I also have my own thoughts. Do I think, I think Patty knew enough to offend the... Um, he knew enough to mention Russia, so mm-hmm. he knew something. So whether he is, uh, he's not a historian of genocide, I'm sure in that area, but he knew to bring up Russia and to insult them. So to me, he knew he was kind of being a prick. But when it comes to Patty Pemble, I don't take him serious. Like, this is just how he is. It's kind of like being upset with Cardi B when she goes at it with fans. It's kind of like who she is. Like. Yeah. Jay-Z does not engage with fans. And I would be shocked to see him go back and forth with somebody in his mentions. But Cardi does it every day. So does Patty Pimblin. And that does not change for a UFC fighter or whether it's me. And Mike, I had a similar experience. He cussed me out in the mentions because I actually supported, I felt bad for one of his fighters that couldn't make weight. He had a cage warrior fight and the guy came overweight, even though he accepted and Patty lost it. And I, even though it you know, I felt bad for the guy who didn't make weight. Patty didn't care. He cursed my black ass out from top to bottom. So that's just who he is. And yeah. as far as um, his performance in the UFC, I don't know how well he's going to do, but I think the fans are going to be happy with his performances anyway, because he's never had a boring fight. He engages with fans, whether it's negative or positive, and he's a lot of fun to watch. So he's going to be a whirlwind and he's a fun addition to the UFC. I just want everybody to know that's not familiar with him to toughen up because he's probably going to hurt your feelings too along the way. So I don't know how successful he's going to be, but he's going to be fun and I can't wait. Kairos, uh, what are your thoughts on his uh, apology and how does he do in the UFC to you? I mean, you get what you pay for. We knew well, people who are familiar with him know what he's going to say. And uh, he definitely has some sort of idea of the implications of what he said because you referenced it. So, like, Thank you, <laughs> you kind of know. So, yeah. um, should, we, should we kill him for it? Eh, I don't That's up to you. I don't really, you know. It's, it's bad, and I don't condone it and that sort of thing. But, yeah. Let me just yeah. move on to how I think his perform. I think he's going to do a lot better than people think. Everybody acts like 155 is the most stacked division in the world. It's not anymore. It's in a transitional period. You got some of the best fighters in the division getting old or leaving or already left. You got a lot of them not interested in fighting contenders anymore, taking money fights. So especially if they give him a regular track in the division, by the time he gets into top 15 competition, 
most of the people who we think are going to stop him from reaching the title were going to be gone. Habib's gone. Connor's basically on his way out. Dustin isn't trying to fight contenders anymore. Mm-hmm. He wants to make his money. After, even if he wins, he probably has one or two fights left in him before he retires. Tony's 50 years old. RDA is on his way out. Paul mm-hmm. Felder already retired one time. He's barely coming back. Like, this division is in shambles right now. <laughs> like, I agree. it ain't the best. Like, people got to stop acting. We, we People keep echoing the same sentiment that Joe has put in y'all for four and a half years, five years, 10 years, however long it's been. 155 is the stacked division in the U.S. No, it's not. It's, no, it's, it's changing not. now. I agree. Yes. You're going to yeah. tell me it's more stacked than 135 right now? Cut it out. You're going to tell me it's more stacked than 145 when they got people in the in the outside of the top 20, outside of the top 30, who could be competing in the top 15 and 145, cut it out. Patty Pimblett will be just fine at 155. He might even end up being ranked within two years. So, like, I think, I think he'll be fine. I think Kairos nailed it on the head. I think it's good timing he's coming now. Look what Cairo said. He makes a valid point that a lot of people are going to be on their way out, and a lot of people that we think are going to smoke him are leaving or too old to do so. So I think Patty's timing to come now is great. And I'm telling y'all expect more shenanigans and offensive things that are going to come yeah. out this boy's mouth. I cannot wait though. And win or lose some people want to see this kid get knocked out. So whether we get that or not, we're going to be happy with his performance. So I'm, I'm thrilled that he's here. Y'all know I love drama. Mike, you like drama. I know you. So I know you happy too. Love it. That's it. Yeah. Who's up next? Who the fuck is saying I'm leaving the USA? Who the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Look at that toy. Yeah, for the the listeners, it's one of the uh, pop UFC figurines, uh, Mr. Conor McGregor, who I'm holding up to to the camera. Kairos, I'm looking at you, you fucking bum. I'm calling you out, too. You said 155 is stacked. It ain't stacked. I'm telling you, you know what? Do you know, like, I'm just going to digress quickly. Rafa Fiziev is going to be lightweight champion within a few years. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Anyway, let's get it back on track because we're kind of aware that G has got a jet really, really yes, quick. So. But hold that because I'd love to talk about that if we have free time. But go ahead, Mike. hundred percent. Bringing what I'm bringing to the table. Now, you all know, and again, full disclosure, that Ariel Hawani is my boy. The guy has done so much for me in terms of opportunities put my way in terms of amplification of my work. So it was with a certain amount of dismay that I got to hear the backstory, and you're about to hear the backstory, as to the quote unquote beef with the schmo. Now on the face of it, it just looked like, you know, a guy who was mm, having a little bit of fun, poking the bear a little bit, but as you're about to hear now in a recent conversation on spaces that Errol Hewani had with Darren Till, it's a little bit more malicious than that. So check this out. Listen, you can't be, it's like Daniel Cormier said after the John Jones fight, he was wrong in this sense, but it, it applies here. It, it, it's not a rivalry when it's one-sided. <laughs> you don't You don't punch down. You talk about cloud chasers. He's trying to, here, here you want to, here's the truth about the Shemo Darren. The, actually, when you fought at 244, the Shemo comes up to me and uh, he says, you know, I can't, I can't, I've been busting my butt. I've been doing this for X years. I can't seem to get, you know, ahead in this business. I can't seem to get a paying job. I can't seem to do this. I can't seem to, it's like, the, the, I hardly know him and he's opening up to me. We're backstage at Media Day, Madison Square Garden. And I mm-hmm. said, all right, well, you know, I just left MMA fighting recently. Here's the uh, email address for the editor. I'll give him a heads up. 
you know, there's obviously an opening there. I'm not there anymore. Maybe you can get a job like doing the interviews for them and stuff like that. So, you know, thought I was being helpful. I, I listened to everything that he said. I know what the struggle is like. Two, three weeks later, he challenges me to a grappling match. And so I see him the following. This is 2.45 now. I see him at the media day. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you come to me and ask me for help. You ask me for contacts, for advice. And then you challenge me to a grappling match? Like, what is up with that? And he, and he said, you know, I should be working at ESPN. I, I took it as an insult that you were recommending me to MMA fighting. <clears throat> I should be at ESPN. I was like, whoa, first of all, I mean, fighting for nine years was my home for nine years. That's not an insult. I'm, 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 I'm not recommending you to a different place. I'm recommending you to my former home that I just left on very good terms. So I don't know what you're talking about. Then he claims that I gave him a fake email address when he came up to me two years prior. Couldn't be further from the truth. I give my email address to anyone um, who asks me. And he, I asked him to pull it up. Couldn't pull it up said I gave him a fake email address because I tried to get rid of it. I was like, what are you talking about, man? Like, you harbor all this resentment towards me. You've asked me for a picture in the past. You've asked me for advice. I've done nothing but be nice to you. And now all of a sudden, he's trying to get me to play him in a basketball game. First of all, I would whoop him 11 to nothing in basketball. It wouldn't even be close. It would be embarrassing. His grandchildren would be embarrassed about it. Second of all, I don't have time to, to dilly-dally with uh, – I, I, I'm trying to have it. I, I'm a father of three. I have a career. So that's the backstory. Now, mm. this is where you get to rein me in. And like I say, he's done a lot for me. And as you heard from that kind of like opening stanza there, he tried to help the schmo. The schmo gives off this impression or gives off this persona that this is all fun and games. But he has deep-seated animosity stroke jealousy, as you just heard there, because he's coming for aerial spot. My question to you, is it time that we collectively rein in this man? Because it's quite clear that he's a little bit more malicious than he's letting on. I'm going to go with Kairos first off. Listen, um, from this from this angle, the schmo sounds like a sucker, like a straight up suck. Like people, I'm not going to bite my tongue with this anymore. This guy is such a clown. Like this dude is the biggest clown ever. I will not like, bro. You were so lame for sitting at this man, begging him for help, and then immediately coming back, well, well, I'm better than that. Hell no, you aren't better than that. You're average at every single thing that you do. People only know you because you're annoying. You're not excellent at what you do. You're not. Helen, Helen Yee is basically pulling you up. That's the only reason why people even care about you. Secondly, when it comes to Ariel, this, he being a little bit sensitive too, though. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, Ariel's justified. No, he's, cha he's challenging you to a basketball and a grappling match. He's not calling you out to a duel to the death. Like, uh, he's not saying you're a hoe. He's not insulting you. He's just trying to get some clout off of your name because he can't get it any other way other than being weird, being like a straight-up loser. So as far as I'm concerned, like, they both need to chill out. But I really do think it's a snake-type move for you to ask someone for assistance. Then mm -hmm. when they give you assistance, you say you're better than that. And then dedicate all your energy to trashing the person who you were just looking for a handout from? Yeah. You're a clown, bro. Like, mm -hmm. you're, I don't understand how people... And not to, not to continue to put him down, but you look at the stuff that he puts out. I've been watching the Schmo for about 
one or two years because I always look at everybody. I, I try and learn from everybody. And I try to learn something from anybody because I'm that type of person to be like, I don't perceive myself to be better than you, but I can learn from anybody. That's just the type of person I am. This guy, this guy is one of those creators who just, he's average in so many different categories that it just results in just average work. Like he's not ultra entertaining. The content level of what he puts out isn't that high quality. Like he has some animation intros. He has a cool logo and that's about it. It's like, all right, cool. You got some fucking glasses and you talk weird. Congrats. Like, bro, you, there ain't no way in hell ESPN is going to hire you. It's just <laughs> never going to happen. I, in the next 50 years, you can keep doing what you're doing. They still don't give a fuck. You got to change who you are and stop selling your soul to reach the higher pinnacle to what you think you deserve and actually start working hard to achieve that. That's all I got to say. Bro is a bozo. He's a bozo for that, but Arrow's also being a little bit sensitive, but it's okay to be sensitive. Next up, Kisanga. Well, um, well, I was actually a bit... First of all, I actually got to spend uh, quite a bit of time with with the Shmo on, on Fire Island during my, my two-week stint in Fire Island. We weren't, we weren't uh, tied at the hip or whatever, but obviously only a certain amount of media members permitted to together. Like you get to speak to people, you get to know them. And from my interactions with him, he was, he was a very, very nice guy. Obviously he wasn't in character the, the, the whole time. We were just, um, we, we were just speaking normally, like speaking in the lit, in the lift. I was about, that's the elevator for you, for you people in the, the United States. And he comes across as a like a very nice, very respectful guy. So when I heard what Ariel said, um, in particular the um, the fact that he 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 allegedly came up and asked him, "Let's I I don't I don't believe Ariel's a liar, but obviously there's two sides to a story, and this story has to be corroborated as well." Um, yeah, I was. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was I was a bit shocked. I I, I was. It's. I mean, I I wouldn't. Personally, um, and again, I'm not saying he did this 100%, but for the sake of uh, for this point I'm trying to make, I, I will we'll say that he did. If I reached out to somebody and asked them for help, and then they provided provided me help, and then I <laughs> I, I came back and then I said, no, your help isn't isn't sufficient. It's, it, this won't suffice or whatever. I I call myself an asshole to be honest. I like that. That is literally an, an an asshole trait, and I get it. Like in in this business, you have to be ruthless, and especially in mixed martial arts, because there are very very few paying jobs. But this isn't the this isn't the way to go. And like the, the whole grappling match and the the, the basketball thing, I I, I I thought it was cute to begin with. You know, like with what I mean. It's like oh, it's a it's 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 a bit of fun. Do you know what I mean? Because and then maybe media a lot of us are like really really serious do you know what i mean all the time there's there's no yeah. room for like fun mm -hmm. or what have you like and even like do you remember when uh, they they talked about the mma media um like tournament or whatever like nobody was like chiming in or responding i wanted to like like jokingly say oh yeah i'll call out for for example luke thomas or whatever but then i don't know if he's going to take that as if me being actually a dick do you know what i mean where yeah. it's like I call that John Morgan. Yeah, oh yeah, I, did. I remember. Yeah, I do. I do remember you. You, you, you seeing him? You, uh, you calling him out? But yeah, it. I mean, it, it didn't. It the, the whole thing. The the allegation didn't sit well with me whatsoever. But I mean, again, there's there's two sides to each story. As as Kyra said, perhaps Ariel is being a bit sensitive um, to, to to a certain extent. But I also get why he's paying no attention to it because obviously as he said he's he's doing his job which 
even if you weren't a, a, a father of three and married and living at home in, in the midst of a pandemic, it's a time consuming job. So you don't have time to be re responding to these call outs, which is, which, which is what it is. But for me, like uh, I, I'll, I'll reserve total judgment until, well, until you see both of them together, because there's three sides to a story. There's Ariel's side, there's the small side, and then there's the truth. And I'm not saying either man's a liar because I don't want to uh, question anybody's integrity or whatever. But things get uh, things become a bit gray when uh, well through um well w with time and everything. So yeah, I mean let 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 him keep doing what he's doing or what have you. There, there's a market for it. There's 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 a niche for it. People are in, a lot evidently a lot of people are in, in, enjoying it. I have no qualms with it. I mean for me personally, for me, I that wouldn't be the way to go. For like I just. I, that, that that's just not in my nature but i mean more power to him if, if like you you've had some sort of success then keep keep at it and i can see kairos is just head head shaking you don't disagree you see, don't agree sorry we, just just before we go to g you see that's what rankles me the most and that's why i think that it's time to call time on the schmo it reminds me really, really um, closely of something which happened to me in Jamaica. I was with my brother and we went to their equivalent of KFC and we bought a bucket of chicken. Now, my brother doesn't eat wing. It really offends him to eat the wing. So as we were walking out, outside... Is he black? A couple. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 Okay. There are a couple of beggars. So... They pointed to the box or to the to the tub of chicken that we had, and like I say, the key thing here is my brother doesn't eat the wings, so he immediately picked up as many of the wings that he could, and he offered them to the beggars. Uh -huh. They said, "Oh man, no one, no one a wing, one a leg." <laughs> so in that moment, it infuriated me because I'm like. My brother's helping you out here. What's what's going on? Yeah. And this brings me back to the schmo. It 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 really is Ariel's MO. His de facto position, his starting position is always to help. Yeah, of course. Not yeah. to hinder, to give you a leg up, not to pull the ladder up or over and after him. So that story that he was explaining there, it really did ring true because that is my experience of him. But gee. Chime in. I think Ariel needs to grow a pair and relax. Um, no, I'm serious. I think when you're established and at to sit at the top of media like Ariel does, he needs to not punch down like what I heard. Mm -hmm. If that young man asked you for advice and then he turned around and challenged you and is talking shit, you take that as a compliment. That's called a hater. And you don't acknowledge him. When I work with someone and they compete with me, I act like they're not competing with me and that they don't exist because you're not on my level. And that's what Ariel should do. He should not be offended by this. He should be acting like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I gave the kid advice, plop, and that's it. That's how he should handle it. But to go about crying and, and being all upset, I helped the guy out. And, uh, uh, uh. Man, you got to know that someone under you up and coming is going to cut your legs off. And this is somebody that is scheming and doing all types of shit. He's got he's to act and everything. He's burning up to be Ariel on ESPN. So he's got to know there's haters and competitors out there.
and the schmo is it. And to be offended that he wants to grapple with you is called clout chasing. If he grapples with you, he gets like attention. He gets some of the some of the attention that he gets from Ariel. Don't take offense to it. It means you're some, you're a big shot. You're somebody important. If somebody wants to grapple with you, if somebody's talking shit about you, take it as a compliment. Recognize your greatness and keep it moving and stop whining about it. You know what I mean? Just be like, oh, he's not on my level. I gave him advice next. That would be me. I'd be like, next. And um, as far as Schmo, I don't like his character. I don't watch his media. I don't watch him interview fighters. But I have to say that the few times that I've done um, media, he is nothing but a charming, very nice yep. young man. And I like him. And ever since I met him personally, I stopped talking shit about his shtick because I realized it's a shtick and I just don't like it. But it doesn't mean he's a horrible person. And I also had to recognize the fact that he's acting. And he's pursuing a career with that shtick and with that persona. And he does it well. He dresses up nicely. People laugh. Fighters like talking to him. Um, ben Rothwell damn near orgasms every time he sees the kid. And he loves to, like, fighters are drawn to him. And they love, they like that silly shit. They're happy. I'm happy. They like it. I don't listen to the schmo in my free time, but when I see him behind media, we definitely have a chatter to him. He's a nice guy. And I don't really blame him for trying to come up. I don't like the tactics he's using. He's, you know, if it's true that he's cutting off Ariel's legs here and being a dick, would, would I do it? Would I do snake tactics? No. But do I recognize snake tactics and know that I'm the shit if somebody's using them against me? Yes, that's what Ariel needs to do. Relax. You're on top. You're at ESPN. You made it. You're going to have haters. Stop crying. I have three kids. <laughs> Stop crying. You're doing a great job. That's why he want to be you. You know what I'm saying? You got to learn how to be like, I'm the shit. What's this three kids crying shit? Everybody got kids. Mike got kids. I got a job. Look at me at work. Stop crying. You great. Take it as a compliment. That's how I see it. I suppose just before we move on, that the, the key thing that I kind of recognize with Errol getting offended there is Schmo wasn't in character. This is Schmo. Right. Whoever he might, he, I don't know. He, I think his name, his name is Dave. Oh, Dave, oh. Dave, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Dave, okay. This, is, this yeah. is Dave talking to you, not the Schmo. So out of character. And that was my key thing here. This guy isn't as beautiful inside and isn't the character that he paints himself out to be. He's a snake. All, Ari snake. all Ariel has to do snake. is, but all Ariel has to do is not go to his level. Don't mm. acknowledge this and keep it moving. He's, he's bigger, better, and greater than him. So to even entertain this, to even whine about it, to me brings you down to his level. You up here, he's down here. He's chasing after you, Ariel. Who gives a fuck what this come up person is talking about he's over here growling on a mic meanwhile ariel got a whole show let's see what's he complaining about rock out enjoy that somebody is chasing after you and i get that what he did was snakish or offensive but that's what happens when you're the man and you sit up top the, the younger ones want you they want to cut your legs off not don't acknowledge it and acknowledge the fact that you the shit keep it moving <laughs> you know that's just me though i'm different i guess i don't know i wouldn't have taken what he did to heart i'd have been like man I'd have called him like a bitch or something at home or something, but it publicly in the media, I wouldn't have even addressed this. But my wifey or on the phone with Mike, I'd be like, man, that motherfucker. But <laughs> to the media, I'd have been like, of course, you know, I, I am who I am. Of course, he's after my job, you know? Okay. Speeding along to keep us to time. You're up next, Kairos. Listen, it's time to name me the leader of the show and change the name. I told you, I'm never wrong. 
I told y'all what was coming with Venom. No one wanted to listen. I told y'all these boys are gonna fuck it up. They were gonna fuck it up real bad. I knew it. I just knew it. I just, I just know these things. And what happened? They released those pay scales. $500 increase per pay scale until you get to the champion and the contender level. And then it's a thousand dollar increase and Ooh. then a $2,000 increase. Congratulations. <laughs> Look at what y'all did now. Y'all let in an old Reebok into the new room. Now they're fucking you up in just a new uniform. You got a new master. His name is just different. This is the dumbest thing I've seen. Oh, <laughs> MMA fans and will never ugly. learn. They are ugly. We're in an individualistic sport and they got you wearing uniforms. Why don't, how about, why are we so obsessed with the flags? Why can't we use a mascot for the stuff? Why can't we use matte gloss, different types of colors and textures for it? Why can't we have different, you see what one championship does with the shorts and then the top. Like there were so many different things that you could do, but these bozos went with the most single common denominator, creative, basic, like, and I, this stuff looks corny. It looks so unthought out and uninspired. Like they just decide, all right, tonight we're going to just put out something. And then they went and did the same mistake that Reebok did, grabbing athletes who either have not proven themselves or will not be here for a very long time to be the front runners in the face of the company. When Reebok came in, who did they grab as the faces of it? Paige and Sage Northcut. Where the fuck are they right now? Where are they right now? That's what has been point. a do? They grab Kay Hansen. They grab Aljamain Sterling and they grab Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega fights once every two years. Why are you going to have him in there? Aljamain Sterling, the champion, is the most disputed championship we've ever seen in like UFC. This is the most disputed title. Everyone wants to talk about undisputed. His whole shit is disputed. Oh, Kay Hansen, she has three fights in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken, maybe two. And she wins 66.66666% of her fights. Can we get someone who can prove themselves and win consistently as the face of these brands? You had an entire roster of fighters to choose from. I do not use that word loosely. An entire roster, and you chose the worst ones. The absolute worst ones. What are y'all thinking? I know what you guys are going to say right now. Guy was just such a hater. Everybody in the MMA community got to hate. We're hating because this is some bullshit. We deserve better. These fighters deserve better. If you're not going to help at least one aspect of this game, why are you in here? You're not helping with pay. You're not helping with customizability. You're not bettering the lives. Of, like, it makes no sense for us to defend something that's undefensible. What do you guys think? Please. And let's go with Mr. Morgan. You know something, it would be defending the indefensible to put up any argument that one Venom and any apparel deal is beneficial to the fighters. Two, that they've chosen the most random fighters to recommend or to, to rep the brand. And the cynic in me says, they chose the people who were happy to be here, who were happy to be chosen, who were happy to have their name and their likeness um, brought up a notch. But it's, it's hard. It is hard to see how this can be defended or it's hard to see any positive in this because it smacks of being exploited, especially now that the scales are so transparent. So it's a difficult one for me to defend because it's indefensible. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't defend it. I was uh, before I went back onto uh, the chat to look at the photos. I was going to uh, pick holes and say, "Oh no, it was it wasn't Kay Hansen. It was uh, Valentina Shevchenko." But it ain't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought like of I thought it was Valentina. I thought I saw Valentina doing it. And what have you? But uh, I have a question. I have a question, Mike. What do you mean for the ones that 
want to do it. Ex- expand on that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm seriously confused as to when I, I agree with Kairos. When I saw Kay Hansen and Aljo, I was like, whoa. And then Reebok had like Connor, the champs, and it was like a really dope rollout. And this was, we got the Bootsy rollout. You pay a premium to have those people attached to the brand. Mm-hmm. You have to pay them. Oh. These people, okay. Kay Hansen's of this world, oh. are happy. Just with coupons, they got a voucher. Yeah, dropping from the table. They got like a discount code or something. Yeah, yeah. You can't give Jimmy Manuel crumbs. These are the yeah. big things that they attach to it at mm. the launch. These are the type of people, like I said, who are happy to be chosen, happy mm. to represent, happy to have their name out there in the limelight. That's yeah. what I meant. I'm just looking at these kids, man. I just initially I was like. No, I was like, nah, they're ugly. But then I thought, oh, maybe not. But then after looking at them again, I mean, you've had, when did this shit get announced? Was it like, it's it's been, I'm going to say nine months. You've had nine months to come up with a concept. Over of, a year. Like, it, it, like a concept that can wow mixed martial arts fans and that can say that, yeah, Ven- Venom are different. Venom are like, they're, they're taking it a different direction. <laughs> they haven't done that. Yeah. And it's, and as, as it comes to the, the the pay scale, like look, I wasn't expecting anything uh, anything to change whatsoever. I'm not I'm not going to say that. Oh well, the five hundred like five hundred dollars is a lot of money to us. But when it comes to like in the grand scheme of things, fighters who are fighting three times a year, say you're an average fighter, that's only an extra one thousand five hundred dollars. And then depending on where you're fighting, you're going to get taxed. So that's not really that much money. Uh, I was about to say that's not a lot for me either. I don't no. fight. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's 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 what I'm saying. If I got a five hundred dollar bonus, I'd be like, thanks, and put it right in the bank. I don't do nothing for these bills, you know. Like, no, so I can't it, imagine a fighter, you know. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, and I'm just looking at these these whack ass tracksuit bottoms Aljamain Sterling's got on I'm just like yo and then there aren't they in Reebok sneakers still so they still they are I'm, so I'm not 100% sure if they're they're still part of like if they they're they are uh, the footwear uh, right if they have a footwear deal with them perhaps they do I don't know I uh, the fighters are getting paid then you why are we them? even discussing this they should if they if they're getting paid then they should have those on if not they're not like it's just janky to me and I will say this is that out of all of you, I'm probably the happiest with this deal because I put nothing into this. I had no expectations and I did not expect them. I did not expect them to pay the fighters any more money. Check that off my list. I'm, I'm feeling good this morning because when I saw the rollout and how maybe what it's like five dollars extra, if you really do the math, you know what I mean? Like mm. it's not really that much. So I'm not. I knew that was coming. I see no creative direction. In fact, I think they've gone backwards. The shorts are hideous. They look like booty Muay Thai shorts that are strange. I prefer the longer Reebok shorts and the Reebok kits were butt ass ugly. So if I prefer the Reebok kids, I mean, what the fuck is wrong with Venom? Mm. And then on top of it, the rollout was cheap. You, Kay Hansen, who are you, <laughs> miss? You fought a contender and then what, what? Like you had a great fight last time. Not a needle mover, not a star. Don't nobody know your name. You're on the come up. Why? Why? I see you, Kairos. I see you. Why? And then they had Aljo, like Kairos said, the most disputed. Like, people don't even think he's champ right now. Like, you're not selling nothing. Undefeated, undisputed UFC bantamweight champion. And here's the problem, too, that I have with this. Are you leaving now? Okay, perfect, perfect. I'll see you in a bit. But yeah, like, I... 
I'm a happy camper. I had no expectations of anything. And I'm, I feel really bad that they're not getting any money. And I also don't think there'll be any creativity in this. They'll, I don't know if there's going to be camo shorts, it, whatever. It just looks horrible. And I'm not going to pay it. No, mind. I'm here for the product, which is fighting. So that's that for me. Every single argument that was for Venom, like, oh, well, they're in mixed martial arts. They yep. know the ins and outs. They are going to put together some very, every single argument in support of Venom is now proven to be disproved. Everything y'all said, oh, they know, they know the fight game. They know what's going to be creative. They put out some lazy bullshit. How about you guys put somebody's nicknames on the shorts? How about we make some stuff that's holographic? How, I'm not even a design expert. And I'm thinking to myself, I could have done a, probably a little bit of a better job. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, I should design this, but I'm just saying, get some creative people to do this shit, stop. And then there's always the people saying, well, the whole goal is not to be individualistic. This is a company, they wanna build the brand, not the fighters. And that's the problem. That's the reason why we aren't having events in Africa for, to promote African fighters. That's the reason why we aren't having events in Russia to Like, how about we get away from the old ways and start bringing in the future and pushing for the betterment of these fighters. But you know what? No, people are gonna call us haters because we don't bow down and bend over and get pegged by every new company that wants to come in and sponsor these fighters just because they're new. No, if you're trash, you're trash. You deserve to be criticized. Come on. Mm, yeah, uh, amen. Hey, I mean, I, I they, they've got no leg to stand on whatsoever. Uh, as as I, I was probably one of the people who was saying, oh yeah, it's an MMA apparel brand. They'll make stuff that will be enticing for for our fan base but they they haven't they haven't done that whatsoever there's i they, they follow the same formula as reebok yeah, it just looks I, like it, a reebok yeah. kit like they they really just it's it's amazing it just looks like reebok just changed the logo but it's still the same company and the yeah. shorts are shorter there is no it's, creativity at all none. but there was none in reebok though mike like exactly, exactly. it's more of the same yeah, they want a uniform. I think I think when it comes down to it, the fact that there's no major changes and it's similar to Reebok, I think they really just want a uniform, a standard looking uniform for the red and the blue team. That's it. And they're hoping that there's dumbass fans that will pay the hundred and forty dollars for the fight kit. Oh, God. I'm hundred and forty dollars. So I never bought a Reebok kit and I don't really. And I love Venom. All my gear is Venom. Like gloves at home. I got I got all types of Venom stuff. I do like their workout gear, but I'll be damned to spend that much money for something that plain. I'd rather buy never. Champion or something. It, it looks like Champion. It's just why get why get a fighter's name? Champion. Say, you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't get it. But like I said, for me, I never put too much into it. So I'm not too hurt. And I'm starting to distance myself from like campaigning for more fighters pay. I just feel like, fellas, it's just us campaigning for it. I don't even feel like the fighters want more pay. Until the union. I feel, yeah. Until the union. I run out of gas. I mean, I mean, it did, we, we all know this is a sport where everybody looks after themselves. But there comes a point where in the struggle, you have to unite together to, um, to, to achieve the goals that you want. But fighters just are still thinking of themselves. Like, I mean, can you imagine if, well, if John Jones and Jorge Masvidal had both come out and said, look, we together, we're, we're sticking it to the UFC. Right. And then that would have inspired other fighters who thought, you know what, I, I didn't get paid enough for, for that war that I just had. Like, let, let me join and whatever. Like, I mean, but the UFC, we all they, they, we're we're digressing, whatever. This is a subject that we talk about. Yeah, my bad. But, I'm good for that. So we know <laughs> the UFC gets her a fair shake at your subject. 
just Angus. So take it away. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. we've got midweek MMA, and I'm absolutely buzzing for this. And I'm actually going to stay up to watch this card because not only is it a mixed martial arts card, it is a multi-combat sports card with kickboxing and Muay Thai. Of course, I'm talking about one championship debut on TNT. I sound as if I'm like, uh, as if I'm doing PR for them the way that I'm saying it, but no. That's I was about to say, you haven't mentioned their 1.7 billion viewers as well. I think it's 1.7 trillion, uh, Mike, if you're... <laughs> anyway. Wow. That's, that's Why are we always the, talking about the UFC then? That's, that's a topic <laughs> for another day. The, this card is stacked. I'm sure you guys have, have looked at it. Obviously, you've got Omar Kane, a.k.a. Roy Jones, fighting mm. Patrick Schmidt. And then when we move on to the main card, I don't know if you guys follow Muay Thai, but Rod Tang, Jim McNuang, oh, God, phenomenal. Oh, my God, like I don't if, know what to do. If you don't watch Muay Thai, I urge you, if you want to get into the sport, watch Rod Tang fight. Like, his fights that he had, uh, the back-to-back, no, was it back-to-back? The fights that he had with John, Jonathan Haggerty were phenomenal. And then, obviously, mm-hmm. co-main event, you got former UFC lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez against Ayuri Lepiskis, which is essentially a number one's contenders fight for, uh, I can't remember who the one champion is anyway. But anyway, moving on to the main event, the big daddy of them all, one of the greatest fighters of all time, Demetrius Johnson fighting Adriano Moraes, which is by no means a, a, a gimme fight. I believe off the top of my head, I think Moraes has only lost once or twice or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe even three times, but he's never been finished. I think all of his losses are come by decision. I spoke to many people's goat, Demetrius Johnson, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, fresh off a run as well. L- luckily, you guys aren't going to see the video of that because I had uh, I had my soul glow like I was in coming to America one. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I was that sweaty. But uh, here's my interview with Demetrius. Check it out. So thanks for taking the time to speak to me today. So I just wanted to speak to you about your move to one championship and, and how it's been for you because next month, believe it or not, it will have been two years since you made the your one debut. Oh, wow. Time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, I know, it's man. Been phenomenal. It's been great. It's been phenomenal. I love traveling. I love competing over in Asia. Different vibe, different adventure for an athlete like me who's spent majority of his career in North America. So it, it's been awesome. You know, I couldn't ask for anything better. And you, you touched on it there. You said you spent the majority of your career in North America. As a lifelong martial artist, you must have just jumped at the opportunity to go compete in Asia, the birthplace of martial arts. Yeah, 1,000%. I mean, all the great athletes have competed in Asia. You know, mm-hmm. you know Red, Pace Jackson, Prokop. What? <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, go get it. Oh, Lord. Sorry. Don't worry. You, 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 you need, if you need to do something in between, it's cool. Don't worry. Okay. I know she wants, she wants the rainbow ball. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, three, two, one. So, you know, I believe all the great um, athletes in the world and mixed martial arts have to be on both sides of the world. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, Krokop, Peter Milenko, Benedict Silva, Chuck Liddell. I mean, Alistair Overeem, the list just goes on. So, I'm honored to be able to have the opportunity to be able to compete over in Asia. You know, just as the greats had done before me. So I'm super excited. So far, it's going great. And I, I'm, I'm loving to travel and I'm getting to experience both sides of being an athlete, you know, competing mm-hmm. your home country and abroad. And what was, for you, when, when the proposal came to you, what was the biggest draw for you to head to one? Was it their diversity of sports? Was it their philosophy? Or was it just a, a different challenge, as you alluded to there? 
little bit of both, you know, the different diverse. Uh, sure, Hannah. Um, the different uh, diverse of the sport and the challenges. And I've never traveled and, and competed, you know, over in Asia. You know, mm-hmm. when I was with the USC, they hardly went to Asia just because the market over there isn't what they're really trying to capture, from my understanding. And to be able to just go there and compete, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do. And so far, I, I, I know it's, it's been two years and obviously a year of it was lost to the pandemic. We'll get to that uh, shortly. What have you found has been the biggest difference in terms of uh, in, in between the promotions, in terms of how they're run and their respective philosophies? Obviously, obviously it's a little different, you know, with mm-hmm. what you have in multiple sports, you know, Muay Thai, kickboxing, MMA, sometimes grappling, sometimes boxing matches. So it's, it's been a little bit different. Obviously, I feel, you know, North America, um, well, the UFC or PFL or Bellator, they have more of the, you know, North American audience with the MMA junkie, MMA fighting, yeah. all of the, you know, MMA media. Um, but other than that, you know, we definitely have different weight cutting rules and all that stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're both, they're both great organizations and they both, you know, put on fights. And at this moment in time, if my math is correct, I think it's been about 16 months since you last fought. Obviously, that was down to the, the partly down to the pandemic as, as well. How has the break, well, the year off been for you? Uh, it's been great. As you see, um, I, I've got my hands full. <laughs> and I've just been with the kids and the wife. Uh, we did a little home. One second, we get to take real fast. No worries. Do, it, do what you need to do, man. <laughs> And yeah, so a blessing in disguise, you'd say. One thousand percent. And obviously, in twenty nineteen, uh, you you fought the three times. Is that how active you want to be uh, this year? If well, given if it's feasible, obviously, because of the the pandemic, we still don't know what could happen in six months' time, or what could happen, let alone what could happen in a couple by the end of the year. Sorry. You know, I I want to fight in the three times, especially we're already in April. Mm-hmm. If I were to fight, you know, March. I'm going to fight in August and fight in like December. That's feasible. But now we're in April. By um, April 7th, I'm going to get out on vacation in two years, dog. I haven't been on a beach. My feet have not touched the sand in two years. So <laughs> for me, I'm more looking forward to, you know, getting done with this fight, mm-hmm. going on vacation with the wife and the kids, and just enjoying, you know, getting away from, you know, the world. Fair enough, fair enough. And obviously, uh, you, you touched on the fight there. You're preparing for Adriano Moraes. Has, has your fight camp officially started yet? Oh, yeah. We, we've started. We've been way ahead of the schedule. You know, we usually try to... I'm an athlete, so I'm always in shape. I'm never overweight. I'm always 
at peak, you know, not peak fight condition. My bad, pretty good condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll ahead of schedule right now. This is my day off, and just relaxing, baby. Just relaxing. And what? Well, I I don't know how much tape on Marais you, you've watched, but what? If you have watched any tape, what have you made of his recent performances? I know he lost uh, the title to Esther Kiao, but regained it in his last outing. But what have you made from what you've seen of him in one? Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, he's long, lanky, uh, great rapper, got some uh, decent stand-up. And the biggest thing I see from him is that he's a gamer. He, he's mm. coming there and he's always trying to make a statement. So for me, I should have got there be the best Demetrius Johnson I can be and got to take the fight to him. And I, yeah, I was about to say, uh, with that in mind, what type of fight are you, are you expecting um, from him? Are you expecting him to come come pretty hot, fast out of the gates, or? You know, I'm not sure. You know, it, it's always different when I fight uh, each opponent because I'm very technical and I'm very mm-hmm. savvy in the way I approach my fight. So I'm sure he's gonna be coming ready to fight in all aspects of mixed martial arts. When when you're talking of, uh, of 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 technical savvy, I I rewatched your fight with uh, Henry Henry Cejudo, the the rematch, and uh, a lot of people were making uh, were, were making waves about. Uh, I don't know if, well, if you watched the McGregor Poirier fight, you must have watched it. And they must have, uh, they made waves about the calf kicks, but you utilized the calf kick in the fight against Henry Cejudo. What did you make of Dustin Poirier's utilization of that in the in the Conor McGregor fight? Because obviously in the Cejudo fight. It took a few seconds for Cejudo's leg to 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 start doing the stanky leg, lack of a professional term right there. But what did you make of uh, Poirier's use of those kicks? I think for you know for me, I was literally trying to kick his leg, trying to kick his leg off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Poirier, you know, that calf kick is a new new breed of thing we like to do it. Um, so mine, I kicked Henry's leg, and the nerve behind his leg went out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Dustin was purposely kicking that damn calf. Um, so two, two different types of techniques, but great techniques nonetheless. And I think, you know, Dustin Poirier capitalized on Connor on him kicking. And Connor doesn't really fight a lot of stoppers. Yeah. Uh, he's used to fighting orthodox athletes. And Dustin just took, took advantage of it and was able to capitalize on it. Now, I know, uh, as I said at the top of the show, it's, it's been well over two years since you've been away from the UFC. But do you still keep your eye on the flyweight division and, and, and what's happening? And if so... Who's uh, who's exciting you and who's entertaining you in the division? I mean, um, I, I, I keep my eye on it, but I don't sit there for entertainment. I just, mm-hmm. you know, see who's doing what and whatnot. And as for entertainment, all those guys are great. You know, Figueroa's great, Moreno's great. Uh, you know, Cody Nullup's going down there eventually. And I'd actually keep an eye on more of the 135. You know, uh, Cody, Frankie, uh, Ajima, uh, Peter Young. Mm-hmm. Those guys, I'm, I'm very excited to see. Uh, Ajima Sterling get his shot at the title. I think he's worked really hard. He's been grinding a long time in the sport. Um, great guy, great ambassador of the sport. So I'm excited to see what he does. And that, that's, a, that's a tough fight against against Peter Yan. I mean, how do you foresee that playing out? Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a war. You know, Ajima Sterling doesn't want to get fight to the ground. And Kuni Yama's going to keep on the feet. So it's going to be battle of nutrition, like old school. Mm-hmm. Like Chocolate versus, you know, Tito Ortiz. So they're coming out and we're going to be able to push the pace to be able to get, it with the, get the fight where they want it. And one thing I wanted to, to speak to you about, because you are often involved in this conversation, and I think you know what I'm talking about, the, the greatest of all time conversation. What do you make of it? Because it's... It's kind of, for me, I think it's kind of a Fugazi type type of topic because it's ever-changing and nothing is officially definitive. So what's your thoughts on it? And if you had to choose a greatest of all time throughout the history of mixed martial arts, who would it be? Yeah, I think 
it's like you said, it's always it's always changing. Everybody's perspective is always changing. Mm -hmm. So it's it's always the ever uh, you know a question that's always going to be changing. Since yeah, uh, with that being with that being said, you know for me, I think John Jones is the greatest uh, of all time. You know from what he's accomplished and everybody he's beat and how he's beat them. Yes, he's had his drug problems in the past, but there's a part of me where I feel like the drugs that he took were more like <clears throat> recreational, like cocaine mm -hmm. or you know marijuana or whatever it may be. You know, but when I look at the aspects of it, you know, I think uh, he's just beating everybody, and he's never lost a fight in his whole entire career, no matter who he fought. And he's also going up the heavyweight, and he could be the potential heavyweight champion of the world. Mm -hmm. So that's who my vote goes to, just because his, his longevity of being a champion. I know when athletes look at like how long it takes, how many fights or how many championship it takes to consistently win over yeah. and over and over in the sport of mixed martial arts, it's pretty fucking hard. Yeah, that's true. Obviously, you you know you know that uh, firsthand. I actually wanted to bring this up to you because. In April, obviously, obviously, you're fight, you're fighting in April. It'll be, I believe, if my math is correct, it'll be close to 14 years since you made your mixed martial arts debut against Brandon Fields. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah so no, yeah, so I mean, like, how how would you assess the journey, like, um, that that you've been on? Because I'm sure, well, even even when you began, then you couldn't have envisaged all the success that you've had. Yeah, one thousand percent. When I started. 14 years ago, it was just a passion of mine. It still is a passion, mm -hmm. but I was working full time, you know, doing this on the weekends, training during, you know, two days a week, uh, during the weekday. And to get where I am now, where it's paying my bills, I'm doing interviews, after interviews, and traveling the world, competing. You know, I, I'm very grateful and very blessed. And, you know, I'm going to give, you know, my body four more years of. You know, competing in mixed martial arts, and after that, you know, I think it's time to hang them up and start looking forward to, you know, something else in life. And that well, that led me on to my my next question. I was going to ask you because you've achieved everything that you you've set out to uh, achieve in mixed martial arts. How much longer? So four years, and then you're going to move on to pastures new. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm 34 now. I'm myself four more years. I'll be 38 years old. Mm -hmm. 30, yeah, 38, and I think. You know, there has come a point in time when athletes like you know gotta be ready to stop and start doing other things with his life. Um, you know, I, I feel if somebody worked at Microsoft for 14 years or you know 20 years, the highest level of the company as the executive or VP or CFO, CEO, they're gonna be ready to move on and do something else mm -hmm. in their life. You know, so I feel like for me, I'm always gonna train mixed martial arts, help my teammates if they make it to that level, anywhere I can. But I think for putting my body through that grueling, you know, intense training, the, the cardio and all that stuff, you know, I, I'm getting older. Shit still hurts. Like, I'm <laughs> absolutely exhausted. My legs hurt. My knees hurt. My shoulders hurt. So I'm like, you know, four more years of this. After that, I'm not going to be worried about all that. Maybe just worry about getting buff. <laughs> <laughs> so, well... But with with that in mind, is is there anything in particular that you thought about doing afterwards? Maybe going into coaching or opening a gym or what have you? You know, I I honestly don't I honestly don't know. Um, mm. I definitely involve my kids' life. That's the that's the one. You know, uh, my middle son last night told my wife like, "Where's dad at?" And she said, "He's at work." He goes, "Hi, Ben. So I want more time with him." And mm. That, that's 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 a big thing. So I got to make sure that uh... you still there. 
Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, you're that you spend time with them when they're young because obviously it's the time that you can't get back. Yeah, I can't get back from it. Uh, hmm. So for me, I feel like in four years, my oldest will be he'll be eleven, and then my other one will be nine, and tenth will be six. So I want to be involved in their life, and hmm. I want to make sure I set myself up to where if there's anything that's going on in their life, I want to make sure I'm there. Fair enough. And uh, this would be my final question. I appreciate the time today, Demetrius. Is there a message that you want to send to, to fans and the rest of the flyweight division ahead of your return in April? You know, just to the fans. I mean, I know it's been a very long year with uh, COVID-19. I'm sure you athletes, not athletes, I'm sure you fans want to see, you know, great mixed martial arts. So make sure you tune in live April 7th at TNT as I take on Adrian Marais for the flyweight belt. All right, Demetrius, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. And now you can attend to your, to your youngest. <laughs> All right, take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Okay, we're back, people. What were your thoughts on Demetrius's... Well, this this was one of the main things that I started my interview off because I wanted to get the differences between the UFC and one championship. One championship, they pride themselves on on pride and honor and being a honorable martial arts promotion that... that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? that sticks true, that, that stays true to pure martial arts and they don't engage in the trash talk and, and what have you. What were your thoughts on DJ's, well, one, his reasoning for going for going to one and to his thoughts on the differences between that and the UFC? And I'm going to go to Mr. Michael Morgan because I know he would have listened to it straight away when I sent it to him. I got the sense, first of all, that um, he was definitely under manners by his little girl. I mean, she had him on the road like <laughs> yeah. several times in the interview and uh, she had him well under manners, well-trained, but yeah, of why he actually moved over there. You can see he's a man of principle. He's a man of comp- competitive spirit. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to actually, well, push himself on because the UFC weren't actually doing that for him. And I don't know, maybe I was reading in between the lines. Maybe I, I, I live for beef so much that I create it. But I got the sense that, you know, he was saying, well, really and truly, um, the way that you're kind of treating me, I feel like I can be treated better elsewhere. But like I say, rein me in if you think that I'm being out of order there. But that's what I was kind of like picking up, reading in between the lines of what he was saying. No, no, I, I get that. And I, I think that's a fair um, conclusion to, to come to. Just... Sanga, can I hop in real quick? Yeah, I'm about to bounce. Um... Yeah, real quick, from what I was hearing and what I know about the DJ thing, it just sounds like the one championship suits him better. He seems happier. He's making more money. He seems to be acknowledged more. He just see it's a better fit. And I hate the fact that he was traded for, you know, dusty ass Ben Askren. But it's, it's just sometimes I can't. Don't get me started, Mike. Um, I would much rather be watching DJ and the flyweight in the UFC division right now, especially with like Figgy and bop, 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 bop. Like, like we were robbed of seeing him with certain matchups in that division. However, he's happier there. I'm happy for him. And I follow him to every fight at one. I set alarms. I watch it at work. I watch it under the table. And I'm like, Yuchisanga, I'm going to fight sleep and try to watch that bad boy on TNT on Wednesday. So I'm all for it. I'm happy for him. And I wish him continued success. You guys, I love you. I'm about to mask up and face the plague and do my job. Love so, you. Jeez, I love hey, you. Oh, double double mask. masking. It's New York. It's dirty. <laughs> Out, y'all. I love y'all. I can't they wait to say, listen, okay? Bye-bye. All right, yep. Mr. Kyra, what, what are your thoughts on... Uh, 
I well, I, I know you hold Demetrius Gonson in very high regard. I I don't know. I'm eavesdropping, by the way. <laughs> I'm still here listening while I get I ready. I'll mute, I'll mute my mic, but go ahead. I don't know where you hold him in the greatest of all time debate, Kairos. But anyway, uh, putting that to aside, what's your thoughts on his explanation for why he was so keen to go over to to one, and in particular, him saying that he wanted to also almost solidify his career by competing in Asia because a lot of the greats in mixed martial arts history have gone and competed over in Japan and elsewhere in Asia. I mean, everything he has done and is going to do is justified. You had this man being berated and talked down upon every single time he was main eventing something and then the numbers didn't do well because they didn't promote him accordingly and it suffered as a result. Like you had him being disrespected on a regular basis. You had the entire division being berated. And so I could understand exactly where he's coming from when he just feels like one thing that Demetrius Johnson is very good at, it's being tactful. He will never trash an organization. He will never burn bridges. He will never do anything like that because he understands the world is a very small place. And it's an even smaller place when you burn the bridges. So he will never say certain things, but you know, dang well, he's like the way that he sort of talks about his experience with the UFC is telling too. He'll, he'll talk about it in terms like video games, like something as simplistic as playing Dark Souls. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah. That, that time period was, it's like, okay, you glossed over it pretty easily easily even though you had double digit title defenses in that organization and him leaving to go to one championship is one thing that i'm glad that he talks about because eddie alvarez tried this bullshit was saying that if he wins the title in one championship he's the greatest lightweight of all time uh-uh, no not a chance but demetrius johnson winning a belt in two different prominent organizations in two different continents proves that he's at least number two all time i don't i don't want to hear the gsp stuff i don't want to hear all that demetrius johnson marks everybody's title defenses he's winning titles in other organizations and he's going to defend it repeatedly like cut it out yeah. it's not even up for debate at this point and um i think that fighters like him and other fighters that are have the appeal to one championship is a good thing because it's not everybody isn't great on the microphone everybody isn't trying to talk and put others down you have like hannah cyphers who doesn't want to talk on the mics put in front of you got fighters like that who just that's not who they are that's not their jam that's not what they're trying to do so it's good that organizations like that are out there but i do think that a lot more fighters need to speak out not in a negative way to organizations like the ufc but just enlighten us about the the struggles that you had to go through in the promotion because a lot of people don't know this type of bullshit that dj had to go through and as far as like people saying well right now is the most interesting time for flyweight ufc's finally behind it like even if dj stayed and never left the division wouldn't be how it is right now because one davidson would have had to fight dj a lot sooner than where he's at right now and he would have beat dj had the competitive edge over him stopped his whole momentum then would have had to fight him again later DJ would have smacked him because he beat him early and then smacked him later. If he would have, I thought he beat Cejudo. If he would have fought Cejudo the third time, he would have beat him too. And he would have just, that's what happens when you have such a dominant champion. It destroys the division. That's why 145 is in a, such a bad position for the women. Yes, they don't have that many fighters, but Amanda's just so damn dominant too. It's what happens. People thought light heavyweight was so weak because John was just murking everybody. It's, it just is what happens when you have a dominant champion in a division. So things wouldn't have gotten better for DJ. And if he were to come back now, things wouldn't be that much better for him. Because I guarantee you this, he's getting paid a lot better now than if he were to be in the UFC right now, especially with Venom. Venom would give him an extra $2,000 back. Congratulations, you're the second greatest fighter of all time. So I'm glad he's where he's at. It's interesting, though. He didn't really um, seem to keep an eye on his own division. He was more like, yeah. more, ex- 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 well, 
more exploratory in the way that he kind of like looked at the other divisions. And that was, that was kind of like telling, that's kind of like quiet confidence. That's what I read from that. Cause like I say, I think Kyra was kind of like underlined what I was saying earlier that he's not really Mr. Come out and with your chest and say things. He's kind of like Mr. Subliminal this. And mm -hmm. a lot of what I kind of like picked out from what he was saying, he was saying like under his breath, like not literally, but yeah. figuratively under his breath. Yeah, because he had, like, he, yeah, as, as you said, he said that he really pays more attention to bantamweight, obviously. But I think, do you know what? I Well, I also asked him about his timeline for his career. He's, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he's 34. And uh, interesting that he says he's got four more years. Now, yes. I, for one, I don't think he'll be competing. You, know, you can see my other half appearing in the... Anyway... Back to what I was saying, I, for one, don't think that he'll stay the full four years in one championship whatsoever. I think he'll probably at some point come back to the UFC and I think he'll come back and reclaim the uh, the flyweight title. And, and I think they'll, I think he'll become the greatest of all time. I, I, I really do think that. Can you imagine if he went and take it essentially... Well, he's already been there two years. So if he was to come back in like another two years, imagine he was to take a four-year sabbatical and then come mm -hmm. back and then just run through the division again. I mean, it'd be absolutely unheard of. So just before we wrap up then, can you can clarify something for me? I've got it in my kind of like psyche when I think of 1FC, we're talking mid-afternoon fights. You were talking about keeping awake. Are we talking like mid-morning? Sorry, uh, well, our morning, as in three o'clock in the morning type? Yeah, it is, because oh, I'm pretty sure oh. it's at 10 p.m. Eastern on, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it because I've got Thursday off. I ain't got, I ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> to oh, okay. do so so I'll, I'll, I'll stay up and watch it. But, yeah, I'm interested to see the, the Eddie Alvarez fight as well, because I, I know Kyrus took, took umbrage of it. But, I mean, if he was to win another championship, it would cement his legacy is one of the greatest lightweights of all time like un undisputed i mean he had the well he actually fought he was bolder welterweight champion so like okay that doesn't really really count but to have bellator ufc and then uh, the, a one championship thing I, I think you'd have to put him within easily like in the top four or five you you, you could not yeah i agree. Oh. Well, just before we wrap up i'm sorry to put you on the spot kairos but usually <clears throat> what we do all four of us, we go through our predictions for this coming weekend's fights. Now, yeah, sure, but not only do we have it. Bellator action, but we've got UFC. So what I was hoping, again, putting you on the spot, what I was hoping is that we could kind of like host this discussion in spaces on Saturday night whilst the fights are about to take place, taking place and after they've taken place, because they do end really, really early. And I just wanted to look to you, uh, my man, my mellow, to actually host the spaces to actually do that. Um, and I, I need you to commit to it as we we're actually, you know, um, well, obviously laying this down pre-recorded. You know what? I'll absolutely do that. And I'm going to let brother. you guys know this right now. I open the mics up to basically everyone. So don't come in that room with the bullshit because I'm going to take the mic away if you do. If you come in there saying <laughs> dumb stuff, if you come in there trying to start stuff up, we're taking the mic from you and we're making fun of you, whether you're in the room or not. I'm just gonna keep it real. We it's a it's a very positive atmosphere, but don't test us. Don't and, test and just us. Just to make sure that we're Cora, Chisanga, will you be joining us on Spaces? <laughs> will this be your inaugural uh, foray into Spaces on Saturday? 
Uh, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to, <laughs> for the, for the listeners, I'm turning back and looking at the door. So, uh, I'll dip in for, at, at some point, a hundred percent, I will dip in at some point, but anyway, back to the card. This is a very sneaky, this is a sneaky, sneaky, good card, by the way. And obviously it's meant to be headlined by Vittori Till. I mean, MMA gods giveth and they taketh. So that fight obviously is no longer with us, but there are quite a few fights I'm looking forward to. I mean, Mike Perry against Daniel Rodriguez, looking forward to that. Oh, oh, I'm also oh, looking oh. forward to uh, Scott Holtzman against Matthias Gamera. This is like a, a big fight for Gamera because obviously he came up short in his uh, UFC debut. Obviously, former undefeated Cage Warriors, uh, lightweight champion. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for that. And then obviously we've got, well, for me, I think this is kind of the, the people's main event. If you're from uh, Great Britain, you've got Sadiq Youssef against Arnold Allen. That's going to be, oh, man. I don't know who to root for in that fight. I don't know who to root for in that fight, man. I don't know if I root for my, my African brother or uh, my fellow Brit. <laughs> what do you do? But that's, that's going to be a barn burner. I tell you what you do. Join us in Spaces on Saturday. We three and G will be revealing all in terms of our picks who we're going to be choosing. Pre-fight, during fight, post-fight. See you there. Thank mm-hmm. you.